This is Sammy Reinstein, and you're listening to Conversation Starters. On this show, we talk all about bringing conversations back to B2B marketing and selling. Because if there's one thing we know about doing business in the revenue era, it's that the best customer experience wins. Season three of Conversation Starters is brought to you by Really Good Sales Plays, a landing page built to inspire your sales team, whether they're inbounding, outbounding, or managing a deal. These plays are proven to generate pipeline and close deals, so you can celebrate more wins. Check them out at drift.ly slash salesplays. Now to the episode. Sammy, I've got a conversation starter for you. Please. (laughs) What is the coolest thing you've seen from the sky? Like you're flying somewhere, flying over land, water, Hmm. something else, clouds. What's the coolest thing you've seen? Okay, so for sabbatical, I went to Canada. I went to Banff National Park, and I camped there for a few days. And I left from Boston at sunset. Ooh, and I like where this is going. Because I was going across time zones, it was sunset the whole way. Cool. When I landed in Canada, it was like the sun was still – and also the sun in Banff, doesn't set until like 10 it's wild it's just the light forever that is also i feel like wildly disorienting i was so disoriented how long was that flight long like four hours yeah like a four hour sunset yeah incredible but like Uh, it was probably a longer flight than that anyways (laughs) it was very cool it was sunset the whole way and um, my brother and i were sat next to a pilot and he thought it was cool too so i felt very validated and that it was actually a very cool experience well, while not a pilot, our guest today definitely has seen some cool things from the sky. Our guest today is Eliav Cohen, who is not only a bot expert, but a hot air balloon pilot professional enthusiast, if you will. <laughs> Eliav Cohen founded the Bot Lab, which is a chatbot service that aims to 3x conversions and accelerate revenue for businesses. He also built Helium, a platform that allows Drift chatbots to be used on third-party articles, review sites, and blogs. Eliav has been a Drift partner since 2018, and we can always count on him to come to us with new ideas for how to continue conversations with prospects. So today, Eliav is going to tell us his favorite strategies for re-engaging prospects who have gone dark, or dare I say, ghosted. (laughs) So let's get into it. Eliav, thank you so much for coming on Conversation Starters. Heck yeah, I'm excited to be here. I think of all people, there are a lot of people that build bots, but I think the two of us are very passionate about bot building, playbooks, strip video, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, well, I'm excited to share some gold nuggets that hopefully people can take away from this of those one or two or three things and apply those right away to be able to make a difference in hitting the results you need. Awesome. Okay, so this podcast is called Conversation Starter. So not to put you on the spot or anything, but I am going to start off by asking you a conversation starter. 
And we were talking about it a little bit before we started the podcast, but I'm curious, where is the coolest place you have traveled in a hot air balloon? So I've been ballooning for a long time and it's how I got into drift. As you probably know, I had the balloon company that I started in 2016, had live chat on my site and I was like, hey, how do you automate this? And I used to literally pay $300 a month. That's how early I was in drift, right? Anyway, I'd say the most uh, fast, and I still use it for the balloon company too, but I'd say the most fascinating place I flew over. This morning, I just flew over some wineries in Walla Walla. That was pretty cool. But I did fly in Chiang Mai, Thailand. That was pretty awesome flying over, you know, little uh, beautiful palaces and monasteries and the rice paddies. That was uh, That was pretty epic. Wow. Wow. My brother is in Thailand right now. So I'll tell him to find a hot air balloon and make sure he hits that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, to dive in, Eliav, can you tell me a little bit about your background and a little bit more about the Bot Lab? Sure. So I started building bots because I'd started the balloon company and started using it for myself. Right. And I think when Drift started, they were like, ballooning. Why is this guy wanting to use our chatbot platform? And my biggest issue is I was like, people are asking the same question over and over again. How do we not take phone calls yeah. and just have them convert online? And before that, I was involved in, you know, big billion dollar startups for a long time. And so eventually when we we had built this epic chatbot that could answer every question about ballooning, which people can check out if you want to screw around with, it's at seattleballooning.com. And you can ask like, you know, normal questions like how high do you go? Or, you know, can I drink in the balloon or can I have sex in the balloon? You know, normal questions people ask, right? A balloon company. And uh, it answers every question. So out of that, basically companies were like, hey, can you help us build ours. And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not interested in getting back (laughs) into it. And then, you know, we started building and had a ton of success. And eventually we start, we kind of became the super users on Drift. And so now we basically build for all kinds of mid-market companies of kind of folk and enterprise that are starting to really jam on Drift who are like, we're doing fine. How do we destroy it? Like, how do Mm -hmm. we like a 300 XR conversations? Out of that, I had some fat where the bot lab kind of came out of eventually was I realized, well, if you can have conversations on your own site contextually, that's awesome because I'd become obsessed with conversational content, conversational video. And like, how do you get the highest engagement rate? And I discovered it was on content. So I Mm -hmm. thought, well, all the content isn't on your site. What if you could use your same chat bot if you had an article on the New York Times or you had an Mm. article on in Forbes what if you could use your same Drift chat bot and no one had to leave Forbes but could book a demo and chat with you? So that's where we built Helium to integrate it with Drift basically that allows anywhere you're being talked about, you can now use a chat bot. So that's kind of where we're at now. So we do, both do Drift consulting and optimization stuff. And then we're really excited to have Drift bots be everywhere. So no matter where a conversation is, you can engage. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'll have been at Drift for coming up in January for four years. And I remember when I started going back and looking at Seattle ballooning and being like, whoa, Drift can do a lot. Like, I'm glad I'm here. I'm ready to dive in there. And like you said, there are so many use cases that you can expand upon from, you know, not just chat, but so many other things like content and content syndication and video and and all of that. But today, what I really want to dive a little bit deeper into is a very hot topic for people in marketing, people in sales, people even in customer success is 
Like, what do you do if someone starts to ghost you? What do you do if someone becomes a little bit unresponsive, right? Like, we're all about starting conversations, but like, what happens? How do you get that conversation started again? And I think that you're in a really unique position to talk to this, having worked with so many companies and implementing these different strategies. So to go right into one of my first questions, within Drift, and within Drift, there's something called a playbook, which is essentially that chat in the lower right-hand corner. What are some best practices that you can use for playbooks to re-engage a returning site visitor? Yeah, so it's really interesting. There's a couple bots you have to have as part of your core. And I call this like your core scalable set of bots. So you have your main homepage bot that's your general bot. And then the second bot you build after that is your returning visitor bot. From a stats perspective, and I'll share my uh, screen here so that you can you know, see it here. This is showing conversation stats. This is from one of our clients. And so you can see the top one. This is a homepage bot, right? So it's like 4.5% engagement means it's like slightly contextual, right? Email capture, 32% was about average, 4.8% meetings. Not everyone's ready to have a meeting yet. People just have a question too, right? This one is the returning visitor bot. So you can see the stats are about 3.8%, but it's a 48% email capture, right? Yeah. So with that, the best practice is in general, it's to be somewhat personalized where you're using the custom attributes of at least their name, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, John, <laughs> if you don't know their name and haven't captured it, use the waving signal, right? And then it says, welcome back. You're probably here because you have a question or need to book a demo, right? It's a very like general way to get back. I'd say another one, if I go to like Seattle ballooning, for example, you seem to come here a lot. Did you book yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So the way that you set these up is actually for a variety of reasons. Essentially, when you think about it, it's not just one playbook. One playbook can be a returning playbook, but it's why are they there and what stage are they at? And this is where it becomes really important, right? If someone is coming back and they haven't booked a meeting yet versus someone who's already booked a meeting who's coming back or someone who's already like had five meetings and is coming back, shouldn't you give a different experience to those people? And the thing is, is it's awkward not to. And I really believe it's weird that if I'm already talking to a salesperson, I come back to a site and you don't know who I am and you say, hey, you need to book a demo. That's an awkward experience because I've already booked a demo. I don't need to book a demo. Maybe I have a question. I need to get back to my actual sales rep. So you can both do it in just a general, like in the technical pieces going, hey, how many site visits is it? A better way to do it is you have like Marketo or Pardot is to go, hey, they're in a specific smart list, mm-hmm. right? Let's give this specific conversation. I think that's the most valuable. But again, the core thing in a generally turning playbook is use their name or company name. And then you can just say, hey, you're probably back here for a reason. <laughs> did mm-hmm. you need to book a demo or did you have a question you need to get in chat with the person you're, you're already a demo with, right? There's ways to make it deeper. And then in a general playbook, you can also use conditional branching to look at those different pieces too to make it cohesive. So I always look at, you can build a million playbooks for every different thing. The better way to do it is create something that's scalable, that works no matter who that person is, that it can conditionally branch. And I know we're getting a little bit technical here, but it's the difference between having 100 playbooks versus 
five playbooks that are still contextual and personalized in order for the right time at the right moment of why they're there to get to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just brought up a lot of good points, but just <laughs> you said it's like, it's awkward, right? If you come to the site and they don't really know. And when you think about that in real life, if I am going through a sales process and then I'm passed off, I buy and I go to a CSM and all of my sudden the CSM is like, so why are you here? Why did you buy? Why did you whatever? In real life, that's not something we would stand for. We would find that very off-putting. So in your real life online buying experiences, we should be mimicking the best practice of understanding why you're here and tailoring it to your needs. Yes. And that's part of one of the challenges with Drift. So you can create a separate playbook that fires, right? Mm -hmm. Based on reason. But what I find is, you know, a lot of times if you can have your CTAs where you really get rid of forms, right? You have a button like a drift link. So a drift link is, you know, is something that you can click on a button and it fires a specific bot, right? You can create those where it can still know, great, this is their third visit. They've already had a demo. They're already a customer to give still a perfect experience, but then they're engaging, Right. And I think that that's the more I learn about drift and the more I built these things, it's just going, how do you build these things scalably? So that as you update them, it's not like, oh man, which one is firing here or what's Mm -hmm. happening? You can change this thing in one bot. Yeah. You know, two bots. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, we always recommend everyone starts with that general, you know, catch all. So you can just at least start by talking to everyone. And then, like you said, you can update that so simply with just a conditional branch by recognizing someone is returning, updating that hook, and then you can see it in your engagement rates that that works and that converts. So let's say, you know, we got someone into the conversation, right? We contextually updated based on the customer journey. They've talked to us and then they got in touch with sales and sales has been chatting with them. Maybe they had like a discovery call and then they ghost, right? I mean, every salesperson's worst nightmare. You don't want them to ghost. What would you suggest maybe that first like re-engagement move to be? So it's actually in a way as part of that discovery call to use Drift Video. So I'm going to explain mm. a way that I'm actually training this this afternoon. We've got 20 salespeople on a call with a client of ours. Where we are doing sales enablement with them where they've said, hey, we're going to promote people using Drift Video specifically Mm -hmm. and do incentivizing around it. They said, what are all the ways you can use Drift Video in order through an entire sales process? And before you get to the ghosting, there's two things salespeople are trained to do that they don't do. Number one is always setting a meeting before the end of the call. You always set the follow-up meeting. And in every sales organization, if you're in sales or you're a director of, of sales or marketing, you're like, man, we talk constantly do your Salesforce activity, put your notes in, and for the love of God, just please set a follow-up meeting because otherwise you're chasing it. One of the ways that I love using Drift Video to make sure people don't ghost me is in the initial call, I help find the need, right, by asking a couple questions, and we do a quick little sizzle demo. Mm. The sizzle in sales, you always talk about sell the sizzle, not the steak, right? By Getting quickly to a need, finding out whatever objections, figuring out, hey, who else needs to be involved, and then doing a quick little sizzle and that's good enough. Right after that, of course, my Zoom videos are tied into Drift Video and it records them. 
So at the end, I literally say, I'm going to send you a video. First, we're going to set up a time, but then I'm also going to send you a video that you can share with John and Mark and the other people part of the buying party that they can watch it. So they're updated of exactly where it's at. Now, if they have questions, what's neat is on the right side over here, they can live chat with me, or if they need to book a meeting, they can do it. And I explain that still in the Zoom meeting. So when they get to that point, those other parties that I talk directly to them, that they can do that. Then I send them the drift video afterwards, and then I can see they're watching it, and I can see that. So I don't really get ghosted because I do that as part of the sales process to make sure it's it doesn't. Now, let's say we do get ghosted. You have to look at why are you getting ghosted? Well, there's really only two reasons a salesperson gets ghosted. One is it's no longer a priority, right, for the company, and there's some issue they had where you didn't really fill a need, right? There really is no need, and they're like, I have other important things. Or just something else is really important, right? Like you fires that happen. Everyone has fires and stuff they deal with. There's something that is more important than whatever you're selling or doing at that moment. And that's where like if someone misses a meeting, you can send a quick email or you can say, hey, sounds like you're in the middle of something super important. Hey, do you want to go click the link to reschedule? You have that already of a drift link to reschedule, right? They can just reschedule their own meeting. Yeah. Now, if they've really ghosted at this point and, and you didn't set a meeting, you're trying to get back in touch, I do a quick video. I just say, hey, Sammy, this is, hey, it's Eliav here. I was actually just thinking about you because I was uh, ballooning this morning. We were talking about ballooning over Walla Walla over some vineyards, and I realized I hadn't had a chance to catch up with you. I'm not sure if you have a ton of stuff going on right now or there's other things that are more important or you're like, hey, we're like, we just have whatever we need to do that we can't do drift stuff right now. If you have a question or you need to get the rest of the folks involved, you can book another meeting with me. It's really easy. We can set like a 20-minute meeting. If you have a question, you can hit me up here. Otherwise, just let me know if there's, for some reason right now, there's just have other stuff going on and just let me know when I should follow up in like a couple weeks or a month when stuff is kind of shifted. Yeah. And at that point, you're telling them what to do. Most people will just chat and go, yeah, actually, we're really like, we had some other stuff we had to focus on. I'm actually really interested still. But what you're doing is it's what's called a buying atmosphere. And a buying atmosphere, I actually learned way back in the day, I used to sell educational books door to door, 80 hours a week in college. Wow. And one of the things that they taught, which is like the best sales training you can get, right? Like yeah. meeting 40,000 people over a bunch of summers, trying to sell something nobody really needs and creating needs, right? A buying atmosphere is you basically are letting someone off the hook. So basically, and it's really important to do in videos and also in the sales call where you say, I'll show you what this stuff looks like. You can tell me what you think, Sammy. If you like it and think it's something that would be helpful for you guys, we should look at working together. And if not, let's not work together. Right. Yeah. But at the end, would you mind letting me know like, hey, this is something we should follow up or no? And you do the same thing of letting them off the hook in the in that ghosting video. You say, hey, whether it's a fit or not, either way is totally fine with me. I just wanted to make sure to close the loop to make sure that we follow up with everyone, that I didn't miss something or that there was something I didn't answer for you or maybe things have just changed. If you could just let me know either way, it's totally fine. When you say that, it basically opens back up the conversation because now they're not feeling pressure to buy or like you're trying to sell them. It's a very, very unique, but you look it up, it's called a buying atmosphere. It's in both sales and a follow-up. And anytime someone tries to go cold on you, you do a big buying atmosphere of, 
hey, either way is fine with me. Just out of curiosity, what about the budget yeah. we're having a challenge with? Right. Yeah. Like you can always use that. It's a very fascinating advanced sales technique that stops ghosting or allows to, you to re-engage properly. And within that buying atmosphere, there is a layer of empathy that you can show in video that may otherwise be lost in something like an email that you know gets sort of lost in your inbox. Yeah. And I can tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't yeah. work is like, hey, did you see my previous emails? Like, right. just following up. Like, all those things are kind of like bad salespeople who don't know what to mm-hmm. say. Right. Right. And realistically, if I think all of us, and we're in a buying situation, I think even you, Sammy, like, if you were looking at buying a product, like, uh, we just bought these electric $1,800 electric bikes, right? These like awesome rad bikes my wife and I got. And if a salesperson called us up after we left the store and was like, Hey, I was just following up. Like, that's one thing versus if they were like, Hey, I saw you did a test drive. Like, I was just curious if you guys were still looking at bikes. You guys have already chosen. Either way is fine. I just want to make sure the information around electric bikes and whatever you choose is cool. I would go, man, I just want to buy from that guy now only because they're not hard selling me. And that's what the buying atmosphere. I think a buying atmosphere in any situation is like, it's really what all of us should do is if it makes sense, you should buy it. And if not, you should not. There's mm-hmm. a lot of truth to that. And as a salesperson, the more you don't care whether someone buys and you can be in that space, it allows you to actually consult and help someone to move forward. And that's why you don't get ghosted. The reason yeah. you don't get ghosted is they're pressuring, they have their system, they're trying to hardcore follow up, and it just doesn't always match up with someone's buying style. Yeah. And I think that that trust that you create when you do that, it's kind of like when I'm at a restaurant and I'm like, are the chips in the the nachos good, whatever it is. And they're like, actually, I think you should try this, right? I'm like, oh, I really trust that waiter. Like I, you know, I want to continue this experience, whatever that is. And I think that there's a lot of lessons from video and buying atmosphere that sellers are doing that a lot of, you know, marketers can learn from and implement in things like their their chatbots or implement in, you know, the CS organization too, if there's some ghosting or, you know, when it comes to renewals. There's another way that you can use it too with conversational content. So Mm. one of the things that I do, which is really fun, is if uh, if there's a piece of knowledge you want to share with someone, you can actually build a piece of conversational content, which for anyone listening, you don't know what it is. It's a PDF next to a conversation. You can then take... I then take actually a YouTube video because you can't put drift video directly into in a bot of playing it. Someday we'll get there where it's all connected, right? But I created a quick, I just did a quick YouTube video about 20 minutes before this podcast, right? Of us flying over Walla Walla, create a little mm-hmm. video. I upload to YouTube and we're going to put it now into our bot, right? Mm-hmm. Because it'll, as a contextual conversation, you can build out the context very quickly. You can do the same thing with contracts, right? You can upload a contract as a PDF and on the side, you can have a conversation that says, hey, John, blah, 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 blah. And you can edit it real quick. And that individual link is just for that company. And so there's all kinds of ways you can do personalization. Uh, it just depends on if you're doing it at scale or if you're doing like individual salespeople now using Drift in a more fascinating way. And that's the value of Drift video. It doesn't require you like building playbooks. You can right. just do a quick video and send it off. And it works really powerfully. Yeah. yeah. And you had mentioned earlier too, like you can take snippets and you can empower your 
buyer to now, you know, the buying committee is like eight, 10 people. It just keeps growing. So you can empower your buyer with those dirt videos. Now they can really be in charge and, you know, give those videos to the rest of the people in the buying committee. And, you know, that information is all in one place and they don't have to go back and go through all the emails and try to find everything. It's like, as the seller, you're empowering that buyer with the conversational content and having that as the contract where they and can the just chat right back the in. Drift deal room now, right? Which is right. so cool. It's like everything's in there. You have your buying party. You can see when people come on, what they've seen, what they haven't, what videos they've seen, and then anyone can go back and see whatever they need. But it's yeah. really, I think the most fascinating right now to say, to say, Sammy, is one of the companies that I work with, what they said when they wanted me to train their salespeople and then using Drift Video specifically in that, and also in some of the sales process, because we have a big sales background, they just said, we just want them to do the same experience you did with us. Mm. And so we were walking through Dissectia and I said, well, let's walk through what the process was. I go on the first call. We did a 30 minute phone call. We found the need. I walked through, I asked who the rest of the buying party was, who the decision makers was. We did a quick little example of some of the cool things you use Drip for. And then out of that, you shared it with the other gentleman. Out of that, we didn't even book a meeting then. You then rebooked a meeting off the Drift video yeah. in my calendar, right? And he goes, yeah, because you told me to. <laughs> the other guy did it. They were both together. We did one more follow-up call on that one. Then I sent the contract over in a Drift video walking through it, explaining it detailed so anyone else of the CEO who wasn't involved didn't have to even watch the videos. We could explain what the value was, what was going to happen from the contract. And then he goes, and then you constantly send us the Zoom meetings that we have with our team because we record them anyway and can send them over. He goes, that whole process is so fast where he goes, yeah. he goes, we were happy to spend a lot because it was so quick in the process. He goes, we just want to fasten up our sales process. Yeah. But, and with that, it's like that's sales enablement with Drift Video. There's the other side the team has to do is how do we do the rest of the pieces of getting our core playbooks and getting a returning visitor and getting rid of our forms and you know, getting off chili pipe or all that kind of stuff that requires a lot of work to do. And that's why they say, have someone who can do it. You can work with your services or you can work with a partner like us that can help do it. It just depends on how fast and you know change management you need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you have touched on a lot of best practices and ways that you can implement Drift Video, chatbots, et cetera. But are there any other best practices for re-engagement that we haven't touched on yet that you want to share? You know, I think that it's not necessarily Drift. It's a general sales thing. When you, as a, if you're a salesperson watching, you built some rapport. Hopefully it, you built some real rapport and you weren't just like talking about like a baseball team or the weather or some BS type of building rapport, right? You share things in your life. I share around ballooning and I use that as my unique thing, how I re-engage with people. One of my clients is really into fishing, right? He's a competitive fisherman. I found that out. When I would get on with him or I'd reach out and go, hey, I was just thinking about you. I was, a, I was watching, saw like a fishing thing of some a guy doing sail fishing, right? How is it? I was just curious about the, if you're doing any competitions coming up, right? It doesn't always have to be about you and your product. And I'd say 90% of the time, it should never be about your product because you're really building a relationship because that's why people follow up. And to give you an example, right here, I'm actually at my friend's house here in Walla Walla, who I met while selling back in the day when he was the COO of a hospital system. And we talked about ballooning. I brought him ballooning. We built a relationship. He's no longer with that, doesn't, and we're good friends. And I think that's really what sales is about, right? 
there's something about being about yourself and trying to sell your product and pushing that so hard versus solving a need and really building real relationships. And that's where I always look at it is it's not about me. It's not about my product. It's, hey, do I want to be friends with this person? And if you talk to any of my client, our clients at the bot lab, they're like, yeah, like we'd love to go hang out. And we do. And we get together because at any point in the sales process, that's kind of how it feels. It's like, wow, this would be a fun person to hang out with. And you should be sharing your life. And if you're doing that, it's more than just a product. It's really now a, it's a real relationship. And I, yeah. I think people miss that. And that's around bots, everything. So even if it's with a chat bot, if you're in there immediately as a rep, you now have a relationship where they can get in touch with you. But it doesn't mean you don't have to talk about your product. You can ask them about, hey, I know you're going to go fishing. How was it? You can chat through the bot about that stuff. It's yeah. not, I just look at it as an extension of who you are and the way you do your own processes. Yeah, absolutely. And as a seller, if you're building those real relationships, then it sets up the rest of the customer relationship for success. And you can continue those relationships. And if you are passing you know, this relationship off to a CSM, they can now build their relationship while you get to maintain that. So you're setting yeah. up the whole, yeah. And one more cool little drift nugget. You guys all have drift profile pages. Mm-hmm. I have never even sent a calendar link through <laughs> like even the Gmail extension, which is cool. I never ask someone like, hey, when do you want to meet next for my clients? Mm-hmm. Every single one of them just know they have my drift profile link and they can book a time whenever they need. This saving time is unbelievable. And it allows people to just go, oh, yeah, I have to get other people involved. Great. Here's the link. Go and book it. And if you're doing things right, they all book it anyway. You know, and if you need to follow up, put it in Salesforce and say, hey, I know you didn't have a chance. Like, hey, if you wouldn't mind booking it, did you still want to book a time or send a video? And then they can book it off that. Like you use all these things together. But I that's why I love Drift Video, Drift Profiles, where you can use those effectively because I really use those in combination. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. I have one last question for you. And it's not about re-engagement, but it's the Conversation Starters podcast. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. So I have to ask, what is the best conversation starter you have seen or used yourself in Drift? All right. So I would say um, there's two. One of them, I was working with a very large coffee company that they were on Drift. And the marketing guy, we'd come up with some different openers, you know, which worked fine. And then I go to the site and it's this thing that says BVBVGBG. And I was like, what the, what did he do? I was like, what is that? And I clicked (laughs) on it and it said, buy a bag, give a bag to a veteran. And that was BVBVG. And it was so mysterious. I clicked on it. The engagement was through the roof, right? So that was one that was really fun. There was another one where it all comes down to context, right? If you can be contextual to someone's exact need, it works. One of my other favorites right now is in, in uh, there's a company called Balto that's on Drift and they do like, like real-time gong, right? So, you know, gong is like a post, like post-mortem, like how long did you talk? Like, did you say the right thing? This is like real time using AI where it's like you're on customer service. It's like, hey, did you, you know, what you should say at this moment based on what they're saying, right? And the opener, it's, their name is Balto. Do you remember the Balto movie as a kid? There's like a Balto Alaskan dog that like goes across the Arctic. It was like from the 90s. So we literally said, like, remember the Balto Disney movie? And people are like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I totally remember. Like, so being creative sometimes really, really works. It doesn't ne- sometimes like being contextual to an exact need that will always work the best, but sometimes you don't know the need. And so sometimes you just get to have fun with it and do goofy stuff. What I always say though is your bot starters and your bot in general should only be as goofy as your site can be. So if your site is a five uninteresting, right? And you all know if you're watching this, you're like, we have a pretty boring company. Like <laughs> it's just our deal, right? Not everything is like creative and wild, right? Like Zipto is really cool. You can do all kinds of creative stuff. Yeah. But you can't have a bot be a 10 if your company is a five, right? <laughs> so I remember talking to like a mortgage broker. They did like mortgage broker stuff. And, they, and family offices. And they're talking to people in their 40s, like they're using like crazy emojis in their openers. You can't do that. So you have to really think about, A, is it contextual? B, should we just do something mysterious? Or is there a real need we can find? And if you can do that in that basic opener, it works. Everything after that, it's, is it contextual to why they're there on this page? And how do you make it as contextual as possible? If you do that, you win. And that's where you start to get into advanced bots where you go, great, I've got my core bot, my general one. I've got what a pricing page. And probably on my form, you have a second net bot because you won't get rid of your forms yet, right? Because we're not all there yet. And we still love HubSpot and their whole form thing. Well, eventually you realize you could triple the amount of demos you get. And you're like, fine, I'll get rid of my forms, Eliav. Sometimes it takes a while, but ultimately... It's not just the openers. The openers, the max amount you're going to get is about a 4% engagement rate. And it's like one and a half to 4% on any general homepage, even if it's creative. If you get rid of your forms, it's another way for them to engage, but now it's a 70% email capture, right? So you really want to think of how are they engaging? And it's not just about the conversation opener. It's how do you get them to engage? And that's things like getting rid of forms. So if anyone has, if you're like, hey, I'm not sure if I should get my form, feel free to book a time with me and I will literally show you like <laughs> massive amounts of stats of why it, the amount of money you are losing by forcing people to do something they shouldn't be doing. It's hilarious. I just, <laughs> mostly, mostly it'd just be for fun. You don't have to buy it or whatever. We'll, we'll just happily show you like some real stats or something. <laughs> well, Eliam, I feel like I could talk to you for hours about <laughs> this kind of stuff and bots and everything that you have done. You have a lot of experience in this and you've really done very advanced things and really pushed Drift to another level. But, you know, we have to end the podcast at some point. So if people do want to follow up and learn more, where can they find you and where can they find more information about Bot Labs? Yeah, for sure. So you can just go to the botlab.io. So we do free, you know, happy to just like show people cool stuff about Drift. If you're like, hey, how do we make our Drift better? Happy just to do it for it. We a lot of Drift sends us a lot of folks also that they connect us with some of the super users. Happy to do that. You can book a meeting on there. And then if you want to learn about Helium where you can, you know, take your Drift and use it on a piece of sponsored content on someone else's site, since we all know that's the highest conversion of any bot, that we've got that as well. So we're testing that with a lot of Drift folks now as well. So anyway, it was really awesome being able to chat with you and look forward to uh, maybe we'll do one of these from a balloon and we can do drifting while drifting and uh, do it from 3,000 feet in the air in front of a mountain near in front of a, you know an active volcano or something. I love it. I'm going to get signed off for my boss. And we'll get a drift we'll balloon. Get me in a we'll be like, 
you're like a giant sponsored drift balloon and then we'll just like fly around the country so if anyone's interested in that you're like hey i want to go on a balloon and talk to sammy and eliav about like the random stuff about cool things about drift while flying in a hot air balloon as i burn every 30 seconds to stop you from talking it'll be pretty fun that is awesome well thank you so much eliav awesome cheers my head feels like it has inflated like a balloon <laughs> oh my with God. the amount of playbook re-engagement strategies and knowledge <laughs> I just got. How many balloon, hot air balloon puns can we fit into the outro? I'm already out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just inflated with emotion about this. I am up in the air. No, that doesn't even work. Sky high. high. All right. I think we should stick to uh, Drift and Playbooks as our career, not not pun pun enthusiasts. Not puns. But I agree with you. Eliav is just full of information and truly has been innovating with Drift for a long time. Four years. Four years. So I'm always very curious to talk to Eliav and learn more about what he's up to and how he's really pushing Drift to the next level and using some of these really advanced chatbots. Yeah, I love the way he integrates a lot of the different components of Drift, like Drift Video with conversational content and our general chat playbooks, email, you name it, he's got it. I will link in the show notes Eliav's contact info should anyone want to learn more about these deep practices and methodologies he has would really encourage you to explore them as well and if you're not started with drift do not fear these things come with time as we said Eliav has been with us for four years so he's had plenty of time to play but we hope we've got some great re-engagement strategies out of it whether you are a drift user or not see you next time Thanks so much for listening to Conversation Starters. If you liked this episode, please leave us a six-star review by clicking the link in the show notes. And hit subscribe so you never miss another one. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sammy Reinstein and follow all of our shows at Drift Podcasts.